0: Mac Power Users, episode 443, Music and Audio. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks, along with my pal, Katie Floyd. How are you doing today, Katie? I'm great, David. How are you? Good. I'm actually looking forward to this episode. We talk about music on this show once in a while. If you go back in the archives, we have some episodes where we really got deep into our apple scripting and our smart playlists and all the things that used to be involved with owning and managing your own music library but you know the music distribution method has changed a lot since then a lot of us have subscription models i know i do i don't think you do though
1: i do not well i I have like half a subscription model we'll talk about that
0: yeah i know how's that for attention She has half a subscription. You got to hear about that. Uh, But anyway, so we thought it would be fun to go back and talk about how we're managing music, because I know in my case, I'm managing it way different than I did the last time we talked about it. And I think I've got some pretty good workflows. Maybe I can help some folks out. Uh, So today we're going to focus on music. And if we get time, we're going to get into some other audio things like um, a car play and some of the other audio related stuff. But uh, the focus of this episode is music. So I think we should get started.
1: Yes, but before we do, I uh, I have an announcement now. You've had an announcement the last couple of episodes, but I have an announcement. Um, I want to throw in a plug and let you know that I will be speaking at the MacTrack slash, they, they comes up with a new name every couple of years, but they're now calling it MacTrack slash iTrack Legal Conference. Uh, it is at the true, the one, the only, the real Disney World. Uh, It is the Disney's Yacht and Beach Club down in Orlando uh, that will be held September 27th through 29th this year. Um, It is an event for Mac loving attorneys, or if you're of the legal persuasion or profession, but they have really uh, making an iOS focus. There's still some Mac stuff in there too, uh, but it's a a big iOS focus on uh, the Mac track or at Mac track slash, I guess that's why they're calling it iTrack. Legal this year. Um, Lots of talking about how to be more productive at work. I'll talk about how to use your iOS devices, talk about um, changes that you can make in your workplace. Anyway, lots of uh, interesting stuff. It is one of my favorite conferences to attend. Uh, our pal Victor Medina puts it on. They do a great job. Everything at Disney is first class, so you can have a lot of fun both staying there, going to the parks, maybe going to the food and wine festival that's over at Epcot. But um, check it out. It's one of my favorite conferences to go. To. I'll just go out and say it's my favorite conference to go to every year. Uh, it's at MacTrack league legal.com and i will be speaking there on saturday so hopefully i will see some of you there
0: yeah and i would just add to that that it is a really fun conference if you are at all involved in the legal industry and use a mac
1: or or an ios device
0: or yeah or an ios device you know how precious it is to have uh, allies and people that also are using them so you can do that so not only are the speakers great like katie i feel like that the the attendees are quite smart too I went to that conference once. So it was so much fun and made a lot of friends. Uh, the other thing I would add to it is um, because Katie raised the gauntlet. First of all, uh, Food and Wine Festival in Florida is great. And the hotel is right next to the back entrance to Epcot where it all happens. So when I was there, we went over there often and enjoyed Food and Wine Festival. Uh, but Katie, okay, we just stopped
1: there. Nope, it's fine. We're good.
0: Nope. Now, Katie, I just want to make clear, um, putting my lawyer hat on, Katie that said it was the one and only disney world and i will agree with that statement but i will not say anything further
1: okay that's fine okay we'll just just move on move on from there that's fine
0: it's the only disney world you got that right that's all
1: it's also the best disney
0: oh gee did you have to do (laughs) that All right,
1: moving on so we're here today to talk about music management and how our music workflows have changed all
0: right all right i'll let that go okay but i i uh i will respectfully disagree (laughs) music management so like i said at the beginning of the show um things have changed a lot with the streaming model um for the longest time the idea was that you buy your music um you know when when we started on this journey a lot of us bought our music by going to the record store i'm not going to mention eight tracks but yeah those were in existence at one point too or you buy your cassettes and you buy your cds and then um apple and steve jobs pulled off a, a pretty good hat trick to get us the the ability to buy individual songs and digital downloads. And that's the only way we thought we needed our music for the longest time. But now there's um, some services. We're going to focus for today's episode on Apple Music and Spotify because those are the two biggest. Uh, Amazon and Google also have services. I just feel like if you're listening to this show, you're probably interested in what Apple has to offer and what the second biggest competitor is to them. Uh, So we're going to focus on those two. So just give me that
1: there are a few others, like there's title and a couple other stuff. I I feel like um, this thing is going to sort itself out in a couple of years. We've seen a lot of these services come and go, and I think there'll be a few, but I, I, I think Amazon and Spotify, I'm sorry, I think Apple and Spotify have been and will continue to be the big players in the industry. And maybe we'll see some come, maybe we'll see a few more go. I, I have a question that I'm going to throw out there and we don't have to answer it. But I just think it's interesting. We have seen rumors that maybe music subscription services will be the way that we listen to music in the future, that maybe we won't be able to buy individual tracks of, of music in the future. And uh, I hope that's not true. I don't think that's going to be true anytime in the near future. But I don't know. I, th- I think there could be a day where that is coming.
0: Well, I hope there's options because there are a lot of people that don't need to subscribe to music. And Katie's got a really good use case scenario to explain that later in the outline. So I hope that's not the case, but, you know, who knows? But going back to your point about, you know, what ser- services are going to survive all this. Something you have to take notice of is that Apple uh, Apple Music is a rounding error in terms of Apple's total income you know it's just a small thing it's a service they have it's one more way to you know i guess you're going to take a devious look at this it's a way to lock in users to their devices and once you have an apple music subscription that's just one more reason not to switch over to android um uh, I, i think the same would could be said true for amazon and google probably to a lesser extent for amazon but i'm not sure i think it's a bigger deal to them but the um so the point is these big companies are going to have these music services because they just want it to be part of the overall experience for them. The one that I worry about a little bit is, frankly, Spotify, because that is all they do. And a lot of these music services that just were music services, you know, have gone down in flames.
1: Well, and I, I think there's actually as recently as earlier this year and definitely in the last year you know, Spotify had their IPO and I'm not going to talk about stock and pricing and things like that, but I think it, it surfaced and wasn't any big surprise that Spotify was, and perhaps still is losing money um, because so many of their subscribers are on their free tier.
0: And I would imagine that many, um, if you look at, you know, Apple music, Google, and Amazon, they may not be making much money either on these music services, but they don't care because it's just a small part of a bigger thing. But I don't want to get into the whole business thing. Actually, what I want to talk about is choosing a streaming service because we had a long discussion about it in the Sparks house. Uh, You know, when Apple music first came out, then my kids, some of their friends were on Spotify. So they wanted to switch to Spotify. Um, This is about a year ago. So we, we spent some time looking at the options and, of course, I'll tell you going in, I just wanted to stay with Apple Music for some of the reasons I'll describe in the show. And ultimately we did. So there's the spoiler ending, but, but we did look at them both and they're both, there's good reasons to use both of them. So I thought maybe what we'd do with the show is just start out by kind of talking through some of the differences between these two rent your music services. Katie is going to be my questionnaire on this more than me, because she's not using the, the streaming services as much as I am.
1: I will tell you that I have tried both. I have tried free trials of both, but I've never gotten beyond that. I've never gotten far enough to actually pay money to subscribe to them.
0: Yeah, well, I I was just looking at this as we prep for the show just to see, you know, where the comparisons lie with some of the key factors. And uh, I think they're both really kind of excellent services, um, given that they've been at it for a while and they've been working really hard to to grow it. Uh, The the first question is always library size. I mean, if I'm going to, pay some money to these people to rent music, exactly how much music do I get? Um, according to the the web search, uh, sur- uh, searches I've been running the last couple of days, uh, the best I can get is Spotify is saying they have 30 million plus songs, and Apple Music is saying it has 40 million songs. Um, either way, that's a lot of millions. <laughs> and I can tell you, when we tried Spotify, I was trying to, like, find obscure music that i like because i like a lot of obscure music and it was all showing up i i just kind of feel like 30 million or 40 million you're probably just fine either way in terms of being able to find whatever music is you're you're getting and i guess that's kind of the overview of a music streaming service when you think about it is uh you are paying a certain amount of money to rent music and you want to get as much music as you can
1: And I will tell you that one of the problems that I've had with kind of my half a music service that I subscribe to is it doesn't have a lot of the stuff that, you know, I really want to listen to it on. It has some of the more popular stuff and it has some of the older stuff, but it's not necessarily the stuff that they're missing when you don't have the 30 and the 40 million songs or when you're not one of the top tier services is they're either missing kind of the more obscure tracks or maybe opposite. They're missing, you know, the latest and the greatest and the most popular tracks because they don't have rights to those yet.
0: And that really is, I mean, for me, I always thought of myself as a guy who liked to own his music and uh, very proud of my music collection. I've got a hard drive full of music that I've bought over the years. And, you know, all of my CDs, I mean, if you go and listen to that old episode of Mac Power Users, I explain how I kind of automated the process of ripping all my CDs at a high bit rate. So I've got these great files of all the music I've been buying since I was 16 years old or whenever CDs came out. And the... um You know, it it was something kind of special to me. So I didn't think that I would be a a subscription service guy, but the fact is, it just gives you so much music. Like I go through a phase where there's someone I like. You know, I you know listen to Clifford Brown, and then all of a sudden, who's just he's an obscure trumpet player who died kind of young in a car accident. But you go on Apple Music, there is a ton of music of Clifford Brown, and uh, where I wouldn't go out and spend fifteen bucks an album to buy, you know, 16 Clifford Brown albums and listen to them over the course of a week with a streaming service, that's no problem. So it just gives me the ability to go so much deeper with my music than I ever would if I was paying. And, and I think that's really, that's one of the early, you know, indicators is how much do you like music exploration is a big indicator of whether or not you're interested in a a subscription service. Maybe we should talk about that just for a minute, because, I mean, Katie, where do you land on the idea of subscription services?
1: I've never used them. For me, it kind of is a cost-benefit thing. You are very much a music person. I enjoy listening to music, but not nearly as often as you do. I think all things considered, I'd much rather listen to podcasts or I'd much rather listen to talk radio or, or those types of things. Um, just, I I like music, but I have to be in a certain mode for music and and mood for music. I don't like listening to music in the background while I work. I don't like just having music on in the background and in, in the house. I kind of have to be in a specific mood and want to listen to music. So I music has just never been something that I've had, you know, something that I wanted to listen to all the time. And so for for me. I have developed these tastes. I have certain artists that I like. I have certain genres that I like. I have certain albums that I like. And I have, you know, several thousand songs um, in my iTunes library. I should probably pull that up and give you the number. It probably hasn't changed much from the last time we did this show. And um, I go through phases where I could probably tell you almost all the words to almost all the songs to everything in my, my library. And we'll we'll listen to those things. And if I'm in a mood for something, I've I will listen to that. I, um, have learned new music and I've been exposed to new music, you know, through things like I was, I was taking a spin class at the gym and, you know, would pick up a couple of songs every couple of months from things that were on that rotation, but I'm not a radio listener. I don't listen to the radio often in the car and I I don't pick up a whole lot of new music based on what's popular. So for me, I'm someone who probably spends less than $50 a year to acquire new music or would even be interested in doing that. So it just wasn't worth it to me to spend, you know, $10 a month to to have a streaming music service, because if there's something I want, I'll just buy it and still come out far on the other end.
0: Yeah. So we've got the family subscription for us. So it's $15 a month. And so that's $180 a year. I could, and let's say songs cost a dollar. I know they cost more now, but let's just be generous and say it costs a dollar. That's a, I could buy 180 songs a year and, you know, be ahead of the game. Except the problem is with the subscription service, I will download 300 songs in a week. You know, so so it just doesn't, you know, for me, I'm a, I, just like uh, with my uh, backup services, you know, where they lose money on me, I think yeah, to the extent Apple has to pay, they lose money on me too with the music services. I'm a high consumer, but that I think that's something to think about going into the service because uh, now, now getting into it, um, if you do like a lot of music and you do c- decide to try a streaming service, then the question, one of the other questions in my mind comparing Spotify and Apple Music was discoverability because if you like music you like new music too you like to be surprised even though my kids accuse me of only listening to music of old dead guys because i listen to a lot of jazz and a lot of classical um, i actually like um, young guys too and gals that make music so uh, there's some great discovery services Um, i was really impressed i think this was my most i thought this was the most impressive feature with spotify is just um, they've got a lot of different mechanisms for you to go ahead and and find new music. They've got Release Radar, Discovery Weekly, and then they have this thing called the Daily Mix, which is if the more you use it, the better it gets, and it looks at your taste and delivers daily mixes to you of music that that kind of meet your style. I found a lot of new artists listening to that. I was I was actually quite impressed with the discoverability with Spotify,
1: and I think that that's important if that's something that you're you're interested in doing. I, I'll tell you the the piece that I am interested in, which is why I kind of, you know, have my my half a subscription that we'll we'll talk about later, is for me personally, I don't necessarily care about listening to new music or discovering new music. I'll I'll buy the one off 10 or 20 songs a year that I'm interested in to do that. But if I'm at an event or if I have people over, if I'm having a dinner party or if I have people out at the lake that's when I really find that I'm looking for a more eclectic music connection or mu- music collection rather than than what I have. I don't necessarily just want to put on a playlist of my favorite songs because quite candidly, you'll you'll find out that there's not a whole lot of uh, there's not a whole lot of variety in there. You'll get some Billy Joel, you'll get some Ellen John, you'll get some Carol King and some James Taylor. And um, i I'm pretty boring in terms of, you know, you'll, and people may like that, but you're, you're not going to have a whole lot of variety, but I do like to have, um, the ability to listen to, um, playlists or to listen to specials, you know, stations that have been curated when I'm doing more social things with other people. And I think, I think music services can be very, very useful for that.
0: And you don't have to subscribe to a service to help music discoverability, but I think it's a people that make these services understand it's a big selling point. Um, Apple Music, in contrast, uh, is is actually pretty good. I mean, they the big thing Apple bought Beats Music. I was this is a weird one. I was a Beats subscriber before Apple bought them, so I was already kind of in the system and beats big selling point and the reason i signed up for it to begin with was that they're human curated they have a bunch of 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 actual humans going through and saying oh here's a group of songs that would sound really good together and i always like that because i i do like obscure music but people who like who also like the same obscure music i do can be really obsessive about it and i can kind of surf their wake a little bit and that's really great um uh they have so they've got that on apple music like if i type in clifford brown there is a clifford brown there's actually two or three different clifford brown playlists in there that would be all human curated for me which is kind of nice um they also do a thing on apple music that i really like it's called the a-list and they have an a-list for most genres of music if you like uh, pop singer songwriter jazz classical whatever and i subscribe to several of those uh the jazz one in particular is very good and i listen to it all the time and they do have older artists but they have a bunch of new artists that i've never heard of before and i listen through that and sometimes there's a song that doesn't appeal to me but quite often i'll find one that i do like and once you find it um right from that list you can love it you know they have a little heart you know thing we'll talk about that later and you can kind of just like jump off from that list into that artist and learn a ton about them and get a bunch of their tracks so discoverability i think is just fine on apple music I, i i understand people who swear by spotify because i think their algorithm is very strong but i um i think apple music does a pretty good job too this episode of the mac power users is brought to you by daylight Daylight is the Mac CRM and project management app that makes running a business smoother. Daylight helps you manage relationships, execute on your plans, close more deals, and scale your business all in one place. CRMs only take you to closing the deal, and project management apps only get you through completing the project. But Daylight takes you through the entire lifecycle of a customer from meeting a new prospect and following up until you close the deal, all the way through completing the project and following up later for repeat business. It's all organized in one place and shared with your team. Your sales and marketing team can easily hand off the production team without worrying anything slipping through the cracks. Daylight is a real app made exclusively for the Mac, integrating seamlessly with Apple Mail. All your emails for each project are in one place, so anyone on your team can quickly search and pull up the details they need to keep pushing the project forward. Daylight helps you streamline your processes. Customized pipelines help you visually track your progress and make sure your team is following the right steps. For every project, you can see what needs to be done next, by whom, and when, so your team can easily prioritize and meet your deadlines. If you're tired of struggling with an ad hoc process and scattered information, check out Daylight. Daylight helps teams increase efficiency so you have time and money, your business runs smoother. And be sure to mention that you heard about Daylight through the Mac Power users to get 50% off your first month subscription. I met with some of the Daylight gang at WWDC. These guys are working so hard and they've got their hooks so deep into Apple Mail. It's really impressive the way you can run your business through Apple Mail and Daylight. And there's just nothing like it. It is quite an impressive feat and I highly recommend going and check them out. So once again, head over to marketcircle.com, check out Daylight and let them know you heard about it through the Mac Power Users to get 50% off your first month subscription. Thanks, Daylight.
1: David, when we talked last time about music management services, some of the concerns that you had specifically when you were sharing uh, Apple Music with your family is that you would end up with some really weird recommendations in your library. Um, And I think partly because of the way maybe you had your library set up where everybody's music was in your library and you were getting some recommendations that were, you know, maybe a little teeny bopper, shall we say?
0: Yeah, exactly. That, that was a big problem for me at the beginning. And uh, we didn't have that problem in the Spotify test, but that was over a year ago. And we, we no longer have the problem with Apple Music either. Um, we've, uh, I don't know if Apple Music's just got smarter um, or it's just been enough time that my kids don't listen to the teeny bopper music anymore either. But I get very few suggestions that look to me like something coming from one of my daughter's. Uh, One of the problems is I do listen to some of my daughter's music. I'll hear something they play and I like it and I'll go ahead and get it. Like um, I'm a big passenger fan. My daughter got me into that. So I'm getting a lot of singer songwriter stuff thrown at me now, but it's not like the old days where Miley Cyrus was showing up in my, uh, my music box. So uh, thank you Apple for fixing that, whatever you did.
1: So we're really not sure whether the um, feature has gotten better over time, whether you've just trained it over time, or whether your daughter's taste in music has gotten
0: better over time I think it's all of the above but I also think that a, a key bit of it is I have really kind of stepped away and I'll talk about later in the outline I don't really upload my own library anymore you know? and um, you know the library was the family library the the ripped library and it had a lot of music in it that was not necessarily mine it had 80 stuff for my wife and teeny bopper stuff for my kids. And these days, when I set up a Mac, I don't even bother. I do everything with Apple Music. And I, I think that also probably helps a lot.
1: So we've been talking a lot about Apple Music and, and some of the search and all. But in compared to Spotify, can you compare? Um, uh, I know you, you weren't on it for long. You guys ultimately decided to to stick with Apple Music. Was, was that because it was good enough because it was better because it just made sense because everything was, was in the Apple music household or.
0: Yeah. I, I, I mean, the, the costs are essentially the same. You can get either service for $10 a month or $15 a month for your family. And if you've got a family that $15 a month feels really good because my kids are downloading lots of music like I am. Um, But the, uh, the thing that really got me at the end of the day is the Apple ecosystem because you know, with Apple Music, I can use Siri to automatically play music that I want. And because it's the Apple Music service, it's easily spread across all my apps. It works, you know, great with my HomePod. It works great with CarPlay. It works great on Apple devices. And, you know, Apple is hopefully going to give Spotify the same kind of native integration that you have with the Apple Music service, but who knows when. And um, I just love the ability to say something out loud and automatically have music start playing. And I, I do that multiple times a day, uh, sitting here in my office or in my car or wherever. So I, I think at the end of the day, it was the integration that did it. I, I mean, I don't think, like if, if Apple Music had had 30 million songs and Spotify had had 40 million, that wouldn't have been enough for me to, to give up that native integration. And um, if, you're, if you're carrying a bunch of Apple devices around with you, uh, it makes a lot of sense to use the Apple Music service.
1: Do you think this is kind of one of those things where if you're a Mac and iOS person, you should just automatically default to Apple Music, whereas if you're an Android or a PC person, you should just default to Spotify? Or is the cross-platform um, and I know I'm I'm asking this for someone who doesn't use PCs and Android devices, but do you think the cross-platform integration between the two are are good enough now?
0: I think it depends. You know, there's a lot of reasons why you want a music streaming service. If you're like me and you just like to listen to a lot of music, um, sticking with the platform that you're on makes a lot of sense. Like if you use all the Google services, I would think using Google's music service would make a lot of sense, too. Um, But if you've got a good reason for one, like I do think Spotify is better on Discovery, or at least it was in my experimentation. I don't know if it still is or not. Um, and I do know that there's lots of people because Spotify has a free tier. There's a lot of subscribers to Spotify who aren't paying for it, but still have the benefit of the service. And as a result, sharing lists with Spotify has got a wider reach. You know, I shared like last Christmas, I shared my jazz Christmas playlist and a bunch of people downloaded it. And I'll, I'm, you know, as the year goes by, I'll share some more playlists, but on Apple music, there's a limited number of people where I think there's probably more people on Spotify. Although I guess that's also kind of in doubt now too, as Apple starts to increase its success. So, I mean, but there's some specific reasons why you may want to pick one or the other, but I do think if you're all on all in with the Apple stuff, then you should at least give Apple music a try. It's third it's 90 days for free. And um, staying in platform does take away a lot of headaches.
1: I will tell you, despite the fact that I didn't, particularly feel like i needed a music service i felt like when i tried apple music and candidly this was in the very beginning when apple music was first announced i found that it was a little buggy candidly um
0: well it was that that's not (laughs) i mean the the app i i felt like apple's music app was really buggy and just wasn't really thought out that much but it's changed a lot in the last couple years
1: Right, uh, and I was having a lot of problems with things not showing up where I wanted them to, things not syncing where I wanted them to, things not being available when I thought they would be. Uh, has has is that pretty much a non-issue now? Is it
0: solid? It, I'm gonna say it's a non-issue, and I know everybody's gonna like roast me in the
1: now. Everybody in the forums, in the forums are yeah. gonna say, "I have this issue. I have this issue. I have this issue."
0: And they'll send me a bunch of emails. And I, I, what I can tell you is that it's not been an issue for me. Um. Uh, getting to discoverability they've got the for you tab and some other stuff i'll talk about later but it's easy to get to that stuff it's easy to get your music i think where there is still a problem is that the apple music app tries to do you know like that walk that type rope by going and um, first giving you the uh the, the ability to stream music and download whatever you want but also integrate that with your existing library None of these other services do it. It's kind of bananas to try and integrate those things. And, um, like I said, I've over time not really a conscious decision, but when I got a new Mac, I didn't um, uh, upload my library to the iTunes library. All I did was just sign into my Apple Music and just download the playlist that I particularly wanted. So I'm no longer integrating my personal library with the Apple Music library. And I have no problems. Maybe I would have more if I tried to integrate my, you know, thirty forty thousand 40,000 song library into the Apple Music Library. Maybe that would be a problem. So so I'll qualify it. But to say in the simple way I'm using it, it's fine.
1: I also just kind of have a concern, maybe a little bit of a phys- philosophical problem with not owning my music. Now I realize that someone's going to point out. And I think there was actually this discussion in the forums recently that when you buy digital music, we really don't own it. We're really just purchasing a license to listen to it. Um, but does it bother you now that you, well, let me ask you this first, do you still buy music or is everything now through the, through the service?
0: No, I don't, I don't buy music. Some of my kids do though. They, they still like owning the CDs and they will ask for some for Christmas, for instance. But I mean, and I do get it. I understand the idea that when I'm dead, my CD collection or the digital um, version of it that I've saved can get handed to my kids and they can listen to it too. I don't know, frankly, if they ever would care to, but there you go. Um, and I thought that I would have a bigger problem with renting music because I love music so much. What if my life just got turned upside down and for whatever reason I could no longer afford to rent music. And then I realized, well, then I'll just go back to the stuff I already have encoded and listen to that. Um. The uh, so I'm actually okay with paying a rental fee for music because the benefits to me, the ability to to access 40 million songs, the ability to pick an artist and just go super deep on them and the ability to have all these amazing playlists and, um, you know, the ability to to download all these crazy songs before I get on an airplane and some of the other stuff I'll talk about later with my workflows um, to me is it's worth. The, uh, the monthly rental fee. And I understand at the end of the year, I spent $180 and I didn't actually purchase any music, but I got so much benefit out of it. I'm totally fine with it.
1: Right. What about, um, uh, what about the lock-in feature of it? I mean, do you feel like you're now stuck in Apple Music? I mean, I, I feel like you're, you're, you say you're very happy to be there, but if someone was maybe on the edge or questioning it, Do you now feel like you kind of have there comes a point where you have to keep renewing because all of your music will disappear if you don't?
0: Yeah, there, there are third party tools that allow you to export your playlists. And I don't know how well they work between the services. I've not tried them. Um, I, I understand the ones that off Spotify work pretty good. I think it's easier to probably go from Spotify to Apple Music than Apple Music to Spotify. But I'll leave this as a question mark for the forum if somebody has has gone through that, pra- that experience. But there are ways to do it. And I wouldn't want to lose all of my playlists because I've built them over time and I do kind of love them. But um, I also could. I could put them back together if I absolutely had to, but I do think that in a pinch, I could probably get it out. Um, that being said, Apple can do nothing but talk about their services revenue every quarter when they report their earnings. So I don't think Apple Music is going anywhere. Though the problem would be if suddenly I gave up on Apple and I wanted to you know, move over to a different platform, then I'd have to get those playlists into somebody else's music service. And I do know that Apple Music is on other platforms, but it seems to me kind of half-hearted I've never used them, so I guess I shouldn't say that. But um, I would think that if I was on Android, I'd probably switch to Google Music.
1: You know, there, there are some services, and I think there's some web services that will, um, I don't want to say export, but give you... Um, a swap for, uh, iTunes for Spotify, for your Apple music playlist. And I think someone did that to take your Apple music playlist that you had shared to turn them into Spotify playlists. I'll see if I can put a link to some of those in the, in the show notes.
0: Yeah. Now that you mentioned, I remember when I shared my jazz uh, Christmas list, somebody put it in Spotify. So, I mean, it, it must be, it's feasible. I don't know how much work it is, but so I'm sure there's a way to do it.
1: Well, so like I was saying, I am not a huge fan of music streaming services and because I like what I like and it just is not a big cost benefit for me. So I alluded to the fact earlier that I subscribe to about half a music service. Um, I have Amazon Prime. I've been an Amazon Prime subscriber for years and, you know, Amazon will sometimes bolt on additional things. Now, Amazon does have um, a, a music service but they also have a free tier of their music service called Amazon Prime Music. It's included for free, quote unquote free, uh, as a prime benefit. It has a very limited song catalog. So Apple Music now says they have about 45 million songs. Spotify says they have over 30 million songs. By contrast, the Amazon Prime Music, the free version, has about 2 million songs. Now, what that does give me, is it does give me the ability to ask, uh, to, um, to access curated playlists and personalized stations. So I use this a lot when I'm, um, playing something with Alexa, or if I'm playing music for a party or for an event or for background music, and I just want something. I don't... Oh, sorry there. Did you hear her? I, I said her name. Sorry. Um, or, or if I just want something playing in the background, um, I, I will will use that if I I don't want to create a custom playlist or if I don't want to use something out of out of my library. Uh, Amazon, by contrast, does have their Music Unlimited service, which they just say has tens of millions of songs. So take that for what you think it means, uh, which is um, eight dollars a month or eighty dollars a year uh, if you're a Prime member, or ten dollars a month if you're not. And, um, they also have a family plan. Likewise, it's $15 a month or $149 a year, or they have this interesting, uh, $4 a month single device plan, um, which you can basically subscribe to on a single device, like an echo, uh, really an echo. And, you know, if you just have one device that you use as your speaker, you can have that in one room. So it's, it's an interesting proposition.
0: I mean, you've got a fleet of HomePods. I, I think that would be for you. If you're going to spend any money on it, you should just get the Apple Music Service.
1: Right. Which I don't. I don't spend any money on it. So I have considered resubscribing and I guess I'm still subscribed. I do have a free Spotify account. So I have considered using Spotify for like kind of when I when I want a party playlist or or something like that. But I just I haven't re-looked at it. So. I kind of wish, I don't think they will, uh, that Apple would consider offering a free tier to Apple Music. I I wouldn't mind if they had the occasional ads, but I think Apple feels like if they did offer a free tier to Apple Music, that that would be good enough for so many people that that's all they would subscribe to. Uh,
0: I I would add to this that if you've got some non-geeky people in your life who don't listen to podcasts about Apple Music, um, but they're Apple users, they have Apple devices, you may want to mention the existence of Apple music to them. Like I, one of my sisters and some other folks I know in life um, who I've turned on to Apple music, absolutely love it. I mean, to them, they're not aware of the existence of Spotify. You know, there's a bunch of non geeks out there that don't keep up with all this stuff. And when you tell them, Oh, by the way, your iPhone can play any song in the world. Basically, if you just ask it to with Siri, um, that just blows their mind. And uh, both of my sisters are so much into Apple Music now, more th- more so than I am, frankly. Um, that I'm recommending that you know to the, my various brothers-in-laws to get them a, a HomePod for Christmas because why not? I mean, they've already fully invested in this. They they love talking to their phone and having play music. What if they could just do it in their house? Um, this is a service that may be worth sharing with somebody that is uh, that that's not aware of it.
1: this episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you in part by the Omni Group. And I want to talk a little bit about their amazing Omni Outliner. We have Omni Outliner 5 for Mac and Omni Outliner 3 for iOS. Now, both of these platforms work together to help you create perfect outlines with a powerful, productive app. It's your all-purpose tool on Mac or iOS that can let you create amazing outlines for things like columns and scriptability, custom styles, templates, and a whole lot more. Now, if you're like me, I think in outlines. I know there's these mind mapping people and that's that's fine, but I there's nothing more productive for me than a nice, good, ordered outline. And Omni Outliner 5 is the best way to get Get your ideas out of your head onto your tablet or onto your computer and to get writing and outlining done. It features a beautiful full screen mode, which depending on your preference, you could have it as simplified or as complicated as you want. And they even have a typewriter mode so you can keep your text centered and at eye level. It's almost infinitely customizable, so everything stays readable. It even adapts with their multiple themes. So they have a dark mode, they can give you your document statistics, keyword filtering, they have a distraction free writing mode. And of course on the Mac version they come With fancy touch bar support And of course, they will export your documents to Word or OPML or just about any kind of files. And the best part about Omni Outliner for Mac is how easy it is to get started. The new Essentials version starts at just $9.99, which means it has never been easier to get into Omni Outliner. And if you have any previous version of Omni Outliner, you can get into Omni Outliner Essentials with upgrade pricing for just $4.99. And if you need more power, check out Omni Outliner Pro. It allows you to create even more advanced outlines With things like scriptability, custom styles, templates, saved filters, Excel export, and a whole lot more. And if you wanna move over to iOS, all of your outlines can switch between Mac and iOS. They save to cloud services, or you can use the free OmniSync service to sync between Mac and iOS with their backend open source sync tool. You can install it on any server that you control, or you can use the free OmniSync server. It's never been easier to create beautiful outlines either on Mac or iOS, and it's never been more affordable either. So head on over to the omnigroup.com, check out Omni Outliner. You can download a free trial either through their store or through the Mac and iOS app stores. So again, check out Omni Outliner at omnigroup.com and thanks to Omni for their continued support of Mac Power users.
0: So Katie, you're not a fan of streaming services. So how are you listening to your music library?
1: Well, I had to make some changes. Um, Originally... I just had my music library in iTunes, and I got this antiquated thing called a, a a USB cable that I would plug into a dongle and plug into my MacBook Pro, because, you know, why should we be able to plug in a cable directly into our Mac? And I would plug the other end to my iPhone, and I would sync things over a copper wire. How quaint was that?
0: Yes, quaint. And I know, I know that reference, by the way. Yes. Um.
1: So that was, that was fun. And you know what? It, it was fine. It worked fine for me because it, um, it, I, my library didn't change all that often. I wasn't making a, a whole, once I've set things, I tend to keep them set. I wasn't adding a lot to my library. So it, it was fine. I, I could sync every couple of weeks even, or you can even sync wirelessly just with iTunes open and, and force a sync. And, and it was fine. It, it didn't have any, any issues. But when I got the HomePods, I, I had to figure out a way to get the music on the HomePods because the HomePods don't have any plugs on them. So you can't plug a copper wire in and, and get your music from iTunes over to the HomePods. So I ultimately resubscribed to iTunes Match. Um, iTunes Match is the precursor to Apple Music. It still sticks around. And everybody kind of wondered, why is iTunes Match sticking around? And I think the, the HomePod may be the reason for it. Uh, it is $25 a year. So it's a lot lower cost cost of entry and what iTunes Match does is it lets you upload your music to iTunes as well as uh, excuse me up to the cloud, Apple's cloud servers as well as matches the music that you've previously bought from iTunes and so if, if your music is not available in iTunes or if it can't match, which is really weird because there's a lot of my very normal music that it can't match, um, it will upload your music and then kind of share that back to you. And if it can find a match in the Apple Music library, um, then it will just kind of make a note of, OK, Katie owns these songs. And when she asks for them, we'll just play them for her from our copy of the of the song.
0: Yeah, and your library is small enough, isn't that the whole library fits on your phone anyway?
1: Yeah, yeah, my library is right now it's about 2100 songs.
0: Yeah, so so that makes it easy. You you do that once, you don't have to routinely start you know, moving things around like back in the day that I was managing music uh, with my own music files, it was always a pain because there wasn't enough room on my device. I got my my Christmas list is is ours. So just like even during the holidays. Your Christmas
1: list is probably as long as my entire library
0: yeah so i'd have to like always be juggling things and that's why i had all those crazy smart groups and playlists that i would do to try and get you know some of my music onto my device but if you can get it all on that that makes it really easy um i think itunes match is there for the home pod i also think it's there for people who just have libraries that they don't want to um and they're not interested in streaming. I, I think Apple is willing to take everybody's money.
1: And it works, you know, for 25 bucks a, a year. It's it's a necessity. It absolutely has. I have to have iTunes match if I, I want my HomePods to be able to do anything music related. Um, and it, it's fine. It works well enough. I, I will tell you there is less weirdness with iTunes match than there was when I subscribed a couple of years ago. Um, but there's still a lot of weirdness to it. Um, For example, I I have a I actually have a a playlist. I have a couple of specialized playlists I've set up, and one of them is is called not in iCloud, and it's a specialized playlist that I've set up where the criteria is this is this is music that iTunes match hasn't been able to match. And there's a lot of weird stuff that iTunes match hasn't been able to match. Um, A lot of Beatles songs um, iTunes match hasn't figured out Um, random uh, things off of, uh, you know, albums, like it will match half the album, but not the other half of the album. For some reason, it has problems with Billy Joel's song in the attic. It can't seem to figure that out. The it, it likes some of the songs off of Stormfront, but not others. I, I don't know what the rhyme or reason for as to what iTunes match matches and what it doesn't match And there's really no good way to fix that. There's no, I'm just comparing it, you know, for example, like there's no way to go in and say, fix this match. And for iTunes match to say, you know, we have like a 90% confidence level that this might be the song. Is this the song that you have? And I guess maybe they're afraid if they did that, that that people would game the system. But I, I don't know. (laughs) that's it's just it's very frustrating
0: well that is kind of frustrating after all these years you're still not hitting at all
1: yeah i i have i have 2100 songs in my library and i have 197 songs that itunes match hasn't matched and there's nothing particularly there's nothing weird in here that it shouldn't be able to match you
0: have 2100 songs in your whole library that that is quaint (laughs) i um okay so like i said earlier i i've kind of got off the the system of trying to manage my personal library and the Apple music library, because basically everything I want, I've got, I'm sure maybe there's some songs that aren't there, but I haven't noticed them missing. And I found so much new music that I get, you know, I'm drowning in that. Uh, So for me, my traditional music library is safely backed up in a lot of places. And it's in my online uh, backup system. It's in my wired backup system. It's in my archive discs. If, you know, I've got several copies of that library, but I don't have it installed on my Mac and I don't look at it anymore. So that's about it. My uh, traditional music library is safely backed up.
1: And you've got this backed up like in cold storage somewhere. So, you know, it's not getting overwritten. Yeah. And that's something that I would also encourage people to do if you're an iTunes match or an Apple music subscriber. You need to be careful. Um, what I've heard some people doing is, oh well, I'm just gonna I'm gonna replace my library with all of Apple's copies because then I know I'm gonna get higher bitrate and pristine copies of the music. And there was kind of this this backwards way of of upgrading all of your music, especially if you bought the original 128K. Is it 128K versions you got from Apple? And then you could upgrade because then Apple started um, giving you higher quality downloads.
0: I believe so. Yeah.
1: yeah, so there's kind of a, a roundabout way that you can, you used to have to pay to upgrade your music, and now you can upgrade your music if you're an iTunes match or an Apple music subscriber by just basically deleting it and re-downloading it from from Apple through the match service. Uh, here's here's the problem with that you need to be aware of, is that it may not be a precise match. So if if you have a particular version of a song um, the version that Apple matches for you may not be the exact version, particularly if you have a live song and it's not a live song or, you know, Apple may give you the non-live version, or I've heard a lot of people complain if you have a version that perhaps has explicit lyrics, Apple may, um, may match you with the, the non-explicit lyrics. It, it, you you may not get the exact same copy. And so be careful before you start replacing things in your music library with what Apple gives you because you may then replace items in your library and find you didn't have what you thought you had.
0: Yeah. that That's why you don't do it right. You don't want to lose all your explicit lyrics. That's
1: exactly why I don't do it. Yes. No. I'm, just kidding. I'm
0: figuring like 2000 of your 2100 songs have explicit lyrics. <laughs> I would say right?
1: very few of them actually do. I'm, I'm pretty, <laughs> you know, benign in my taste. I will tell you, I actually, I actually have um, all of my CDs I have in a, um, you know how you can get those under the bed bed storage bins? Yeah. Um, all of my CDs are in my guest bedroom under the bed.
0: Yeah, mine are somewhere in the garage. I don't know. But, I, I you know, I'm getting the point I don't even really care. I, I do have them ripped at a high bit rate, and that's good enough. Um, and backed up everywhere. But But that's a good point. So if you decide to go all in with music streaming services, Don't just delete your library, save it somewhere. You know, hard drives are cheap. Make sure you've got it backed up because you may need it someday. So we've got these uh, music systems, whether we're subscribing or or got our own. I wanted to spend some time talking about how I'm managing my subscription music.
1: Because you got a lot of it. I mean, I don't know. I didn't think this was such a big deal because I I know everything that's in my music library. But you, you download more songs in a month than I own.
0: Yeah. Well, I, you know, honestly, between me and my two kids and my wife, that is a distinct possibility because we all love music. And um, so, and, and traditionally, I had a very fiddly system for music. Like one of my favorite smart playlists would look at music that I had marked as four or five stars and hadn't played in like three months. And it would be like hidden gems, I think I called it. And if you search Max Sparky, I think I even did a blog post on it somewhere. So, uh, but, you know, there's all these great ways to, you know, get your music surfaced for you if you had a big library, but you really had to manage that yourself. And one of the, I think one of the attractions to me of the music streaming service is there are people out there, you know, there are human curators putting together really cool playlists for me that I don't have to do myself. And if I find a curator that I like, and I like the way they put together one playlist, I'll listen to more of their stuff. Or if I find an artist on one of their lists, I'll probably find another playlist. And suddenly, I've outsourced kind of my music curation problem. And that's one of the big benefits for me. For the $15 a month, not only do I get to listen to all this music? I have someone figure out, you know, what in the sea of 40 million songs is something that I may want to listen to. And I, I really like that. So the new days, things are both better and easier for me. Um, Apple used to always have music rated by stars. and I always felt like it was a little too granular. It's like, what is five stars versus four stars or three stars versus two stars, you know? All of a sudden you have to start having these problems. And so I had like this fancy coding system. Like if I had one star, that meant that was a song actually that I wanted to delete, that I'd listened to it and decided it wasn't worthy anymore. And, you know, I had all these different like systems I would use. Now I don't do any of that stuff. You know, I just let it go. Um, so, but there's a couple different contexts that I play music in, and I thought I'd share some of the workflows in them, uh, starting with my day to day, you know, I'm at my desk most days working and, uh, I find it hard to work listening to music. Um, if it's good, good jazz, I get into the music and stop working. Uh, if it's music with lyrics, it's even harder. Um, so I, but I do have uh, tinnitus. I, I have them, um, I hear a ringing in my ears quite often. So I like to have something playing just to kind of get rid of that and my favorite track for that is one on apple music called um uh what is it gentle rain with distant thunder if you say the magic word to siri and then say play that then it it just starts playing that and then the next thing is you you say the magic word to siri and say repeat this track and that track literally will play for like four hours as i'm sitting here writing contracts or or planning my next book and so i've got a rainstorm going on the whole day (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's one of the things I like about the HomePod. It, it sounds great. You know, the thunder is boomy enough. It works just fine. But um, for low bandwidth stuff, uh, when I'm like scanning documents or whatnot, I do like to tap into the Apple Music service. And that's one of my favorite places for discovery when I'm doing work that doesn't require my brain, but just my hands and things moving around the office. And um, with with uh, Apple Music, they've got these playlists called For You. And if you click the for you playlist, it gives you a bunch of excellent recommendations. It looks at the music you like and the music that you've you've starred or hearted, you know, because now it's binary. You either love it or you don't love it. You know, so you, you click the button, and it makes it a heart. And Al- Apple Music does a really good job of picking some curated playlists in the for you section. And if I'm going to go ahead and, and do some work, what I'll do is I'll pick one of those playlists and I'm, i usually do this from the ipad i don't do it from the mac which is another thing i'll talk about later but so i just take i do it on the ipad because i've got an ipad right next to my iMac all day and i drive the music to the home pod speaker and because it's on the imac screen if suddenly a song comes on that i really like i can go ahead and love it on the ipad screen or i can push a few buttons and get into more music by that same artist so, so there's not a lot of smart playlists involved now. I just let the system run. Um, do you have any particular uh, workflows for your music when you work? Or do you even play music when you work?
1: Um, so I don't often play music when I work. I just, uh, I I've, I, find that I it's a distraction to me, mainly because when you know all the words to all the songs to all the music in your playlist, you just want to start singing to the music. And, you know, yeah, I, I, I don't... Yeah, that's very distracting and I'm not very good at working while I sing. So, um, my, my organization of music is based primarily on playlists. Uh, some of my playlists are smart like yours, but I will tell you that most of mine are handcrafted, uh, based on a mood or a theme. So for example, um, I have a workout music playlist. I have a a playlist called soulful. I have a playlist called meltdown. I have a playlist called car, um, which is like good music to to play in a car. Um, I have my, one of my favorite ones right now is a a, a playlist called, called court jams um and it's like you know music that i listen when i'm getting ready for court because it like you know pumps me up and those types of things because you have to you have to get the
0: rocky theme in there
1: i i should put the rocky theme in there um i really actually i'm going to um I am going to put that in there right now. Uh, one of my favorite things to do, in fact, I'm tempted to do it right now on the on the podcast, but I can't think of the exact name of the Rocky theme, uh, is you can say, um, ahoy telephone. Uh, add So if you're playing something, you can say, add this to my, whatever the name of the playlist is. So I try to keep uh, my playlist names down to one or two words. So they're simple for me to find and, and easy for me to remember. I also... Um, I have, um, I have a couple of smart playlists similar to yours. I, I have a, a hits and a greatest hits playlist. So um, a hits playlist is anything that's three stars or more. My greatest hits playlist is anything that are four stars or more. Um, and and then I have like a, some some best of playlists. So anything or new music playlist, which I actually kind of had to get rid of those and don't listen to them often because I don't buy that much music. But it's, you know, anything that has been bought in the past year. Or, or things like that or added to my library in the past year
0: there's a there's a great version of the rocky theme song by maynard ferguson who's a uh, somewhat famous trumpet player and he plays he's he's really well known for playing high notes and he's just blasting all over the rocky theme. and it's very 70s you know it was maynard was trying to cash in on the rocky thing when it came out and it's a that's a good version anyway i so I, i'm trying not to just talk about music recommendations this whole show but that one's kind of kind of squirted out
1: (laughs) i could have sworn i had the rocky theme in my music library but i i don't see it
0: Hmm. well if you're gonna buy one buy the maynard ferguson version
1: okay got it Uh,
0: my my wife is like that she has a lot of these hand curated playlists she's had for years and one of the things we did when we switched over to apple music was i was able to to easily make sure that that was in her phone and in her account and that that was one of the things i had to do to, to stay married
1: i have the maynard First, uh, ferguson version in there it's no called way. it's gonna call it's called gonna fly now yeah it's, it's not it's not <laughs> called rocky theme which is why i couldn't find it
0: you know what katie the fact that you had maynard ferguson on your iphone i have newfound respect for you
1: oh, it's from the album conquistador yes i will say david it's actually only rated two stars in my oh, no. album, but maybe, maybe I'll, 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 go ahead and I'll give it a third star right now for you.
0: You cut me deep.
1: You cut all right. I deep. just gave it a third star for you. And I'm at, add, I'm adding it to my court playlist,
0: but on the subject of playlists, I, I really think that playlists are the key to all of this. Uh, uh, I, I have probably over a hundred because with Apple music, it's so easy to add playlists. I mean, I just had a listener send me a bebop, um, playlist just a few days ago. And I, I went ahead and subscribed to it. I didn't look that close to see if it was the actual listeners bebop playlist or one that he had found. But, you know, you just add it and suddenly you've got this great playlist of music. And um, so I have many, many playlists. And it's really easy just to scroll through those and pick one, depending on whatever your mood is. Um, but the playlists are also key. Um as we're gonna talk later, in the ways you can download the music, and it's just just a great entry point to getting music onto your device. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by 1Password, one of my very favorite apps on the Mac and iPad, and now they're on the other platforms like uh, Android and Windows. But uh, the reason I really love 1Password is because it gives you a simple way to manage your passwords It creates safe and secure passwords for you as you're logging into websites, but it also gives you this separate brick wall of data that you carry around with you on all your devices. I was just in the bank recently. I had to go in to do some banking stuff, and I had to talk to the banker, and they had a bunch of questions for me about some of my special numbers that you need when you do your finances. And I went in there. All I had in my pocket was my phone. And when I went to the meeting, I didn't think it was, I was just making a deposit and then Things got. I had to go into some other stuff, and I didn't. So I didn't come with all my information, not expecting to need it. And but as I just opened my phone, I looked at my iPhone 10. Uh, it unlocks because it uses Face ID, which is kind of awesome. And then suddenly, it unlocks behind the one password vault all this data for me. And I'm just reading off the numbers to the banker as they ask for it. They had a another question. I was able to send them some data. And when we got done with the transaction the banker said to me, how did you do all of that? They just didn't believe I had all that data in my pocket at any time. So I actually converted them to 1Password at the bank. The guy had an iPhone, he bought it before last. But it's just a great service because as I explained to the banker, it's a separate password that locks this data up. Inside the 1Password app, for instance, you have secure notes. So if you need to remember your kid's social security number, you write it down, in a note and then you save it to one password and it's safely behind that fault if you've got the iphone 10 face id unlocks it if you've got the earlier iphone or the ipads you can use touch id or you can just use your one password to unlock that data and i love having that in my pocket at all times um another good example of this was when we went on vacation my wife lost her credit card i had all of the phone numbers all of the data safely locked in 1Password. So as soon as that happened, I was able to open the app, make an 800 phone call that I'd written down in 1Password, and the problem was solved. Um, There really is no excuse to put secure data like in an apple note or in a word document uh one password solves that problem for you it's made by a group of people that love making quality applications they're super passionate about it and i encourage you to go check it out so head over to onepassword.com slash mpu this onepassword.com mpu put the mpu in all caps and that gets you 20% off your subscription. It's a great service. I use it every day. I've got the family subscription. The whole family uses it. We all love it. So check out one password and, um, and tell a friend about it too.
1: All right. So anything else we need to know about using uh, managing your music, we've talked about how we organize our, our music in into um, our various libraries, but how about how we interact with it day to day?
0: Yeah, I have some more workflow stuff I'd like to cover. Um, the first is just playing music around the house. I talked about playing music in the office when I play my boring uh, rainstorm, but the, um but like around the house uh, music has changed as well. Apple has released airplay two Now.
1: Oh, wait, 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 I forgot. I forgot. I have something to add. Did you know about just playing, just playing white noise around the house? Did you know you can download hours and hours and hours of ambient starship noise?
0: No, no, really? Where?
1: Uh, you, well, yeah, you can get it like on YouTube or, or whatever, but no, people have it and you can download it from the from the internet. You can download it from the internet. They have Star Star Trek ambient noise. Maybe they have Star Wars ambient noise as well.
0: Yeah, maybe, who knows? But the uh, I'll have to check that out. I don't know if that'll work for me. I, I do like my storm. It's it's like, well, for whatever reason, the pitch is just right for me and I don't even really notice it. But And everybody thinks I'm completely insane when they walk in the room, but having that noise playing in the background helps. But anyway, I, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about... Playing music throughout the house and um so i'm pretty much all in with the sonos i have the home pod in my office I, i'm not like katie i don't have one in every room like she does but the uh but i do have a sonos
1: they, ha- they haven't gotten any more they're fine I have fewer HomePods than you do Sonos. So, I guarantee
0: you that is true. <laughs> I guarantee that. But so I do have the Sonos system throughout the house. And for years, Sonos has supported Apple Music. You just go into the app and like the for you list and all the playlists and everything is right in their app. Uh, the downside to that is you got to open an app to get it kicked off. But uh, because as I was saying earlier, playlists are a big deal to me, I've got these massive playlists. So it, it doesn't take that long for me to, to kick off a playlist through the Sonos app and then just have it throughout the house. The other thing that's really cool, and this goes back to some of our home automation shows, so I won't go into great detail here, but we have the jazz button. You know, I have a, um, I have a light switch that actually drives a Sonos system. And you get that through the, what am I forgetting the name? Uh, Lutron Cassetta has a Sonos button, so I put it on a switch in the wall in the kitchen so I can start and pause the music very easily without even opening my app. Um, so all of that works really great. But then Apple just released AirPlay 2, which they've been you know, threatening to release now for a year. And uh, Sonos agreed to have integration and indeed they do. So the advantage of that now is I can be in the Apple Music app, which is frankly a better experience than the Sonos app. And then I can just pull down um, into the control center and drive it straight to Sonos which is really nice. And once you make that connection, then you can use Siri to kick off music on your phone that then goes straight to the Sonos. Uh, The downside for me is I don't have many Sonos speakers that are supported by the the AirPlay 2. um, I have one Play 5.2 second generation speaker that supports it. I I did not buy the Sonos. um, Was it called the Sonos One? Is that the speaker that they have that also supports Amazon?
1: I think it's called the Play One.
0: Yeah, the play. I did not buy one of those. Um, and some of their, you know, my speakers are old enough that they just don't support it. So I only have one. Uh, it's relatively easy to go from that yes, one. Yes,
1: the play one, because they're they're called very similar things. The one with Alexa support, we'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah.
0: yeah I, I think it's called the play one. But I, I don't, anyway. Um, But I don't have any speakers that are supported natively by Airplay 2. But it's relatively simple once you get into one to share that speaker throughout the house. Uh, but to tell you the truth, I still don't find the Sonos app all that terrible. And granted, you can't control with your voice, but um, it's fine, you know, because once I get a playlist going, I'm, I'm usually pretty good for a while. But that, that's the thing I'm kind of dealing with right now and figuring out. AirPlay 2 is still pretty new. I'd love to hear your workflows on that. Um, the, uh, the other thing I do is, um, when I travel a lot, I have to, to deal with music. And that's something where you get in trouble with a streaming service. Cause when you get on an airplane or you're in a foreign country where you don't have a lot of um, internet bandwidth, you know, all of a sudden you're great, Playlist doesn't work anymore because the music was in the cloud, and I don't normally intentionally download the music because I generally have pretty good internet wherever I go, and and just let my iPhone figure that out if it needs to download things or not. But before you go on a trip, if you're using a streaming service, take a minute. I I, it's it's actually on my packing checklist where I just say download music, and usually when I travel, it's just with an iPhone and an iPad. I don't take a Mac with me very often. Uh, But I will download the entire playlist as well as Audible books and any other kind of content like that down to the device. With Apple Music, it's very easy. You just go to the playlist and there's a little download button for the entire playlist or for each individual track. I just go through the entire playlist buttons, press the button, and it just goes to work downloading those tracks. Um, a power tip for me is usually when I get on an airplane, I just turn my phone off. I like to hit the ground at the other end of a flight with a fully charged phone. And I work a lot on the iPad on trips. So uh, you need to download those that music to your iPad, too, if you're going to do that.
1: Um, while we're at a stopping point, uh, we got it exactly backwards with the Sonos. It's the Sonos Play 1 is the first one that, that doesn't have built-in Alexa support. But you can pair it if you add it like with a spot but the Sonos one is the one that has Alexa built in. So I just wanted to correct that. We'll have the correct link in the show notes.
0: Thanks. Um, but anyway, so that's the travel workflow download because if you're streaming, you're not going to get it. Um, another thing I do, I talked earlier about uh, driving music from iPad to the system. Uh, I, th- I think iPad is a great place to start music, especially if you've got a home pod system in your house. Um, while it's great that you can start it with your voice, I like actually seeing the tracks and be able on the discovery piece of it. Like if you're going through the A-list in Apple Music, uh, drive it from an iPad or an iPhone because you're there to discover and you may want to click and see where things go and a voice-only interface doesn't do a very good job of that. Um, uh, Music automation is still possible. Um, For instance, Workflow has a lot of music automation tools and Siri Shortcuts, I think, has even more. I was just looking at uh, at Siri shortcuts this morning uh, as I prep for the show, and I can control Siri shortcuts. I can pause, play, uh, I can change volume, I can skip tracks, I can add a song to playlist, I can add it to up next, I can create playlists with Siri shortcuts, I can use the find music. Um, where I find this really helpful is is kicking off a particular playlist as part of a workflow. Like Katie was talking earlier about going to court. You know, playlist. You could have something, I don't know. I mean, just imagine if you wanted to go to court and you had it um, get directions to the courthouse that you go to. And I know you know the way, Katie, but just, you know, bear with me. So you have it get directions for you, kick off the going to court playlist, send a text message out to your secretary saying, okay, I'm on my way to court. Please don't bother me unless it's an emergency. And, you know, you can you can have it even run things on your phone, maybe turn it into airplane mode or whatever you want to do. And that's a really great use of automation with music going forward, I think.
1: So in terms of my workflow for for things at home, and maybe you can chime in a little bit because I know you're on the uh, Siri shortcuts beta. I am not yet as to how this will change. One of the reasons I bought the HomePod is because we we've talked on the show before. I I've I've always kind of been tempted by the Sonos system, but I wasn't sure that I was ready to invest in Sonos because I kind of felt like Apple was going to come out with a solution for this. And then famously, when the Home you know never say never when the HomePod came up, I was just like, I am not interested in this at all. No interest whatsoever. I will never buy a HomePod. And well, you know, fast forward a couple of months, look, we see what happened. But I, I liked the idea of having a whole house music solution. And it was really the announcements of Siri shortcuts and of what we think is coming with, with the Apple HomePod that that brought me back into that fold. I loved my Amazon Echo enabled devices. I loved the fact that they were smart devices. I loved everything I could do with them. What I didn't love was the fact that they weren't really great speakers Um and i wasn't 100% sure about where i stood with with amazon and privacy and those types of things and i really appreciate that apple has doubled down on on the privacy thing so i am i'm kind of in a right now i'm in a mixed household where i have these three home pods scattered around but i still have some amazon echoes i still have an echo spot in my bedroom and i don't see that going away anytime soon and i will tell you that i have a home pod and an alexa Oh, Sorry, I have a HomePod and an Echo sitting side by side in my kitchen still, because at least where we stand right now and we're still in the beta phase, there are things that I cannot do with the HomePod that I still do with the Amazon Echo and that I found when I disconnected the Echo and put it in the closet for a while that I, although I enjoyed the HomePod for playing music in the kitchen, I did not. I, I missed having the Amazon Echo product for the other things that I did. So I said, "Well, I've got room on the on. The, it looks rather ridiculous if you come to my kitchen. Um, I've got room on the counter. I'm just going to put the the HomePod and the Echo right next to each other for now."
0: You need to get one of those those beer can plastic things you know used to wrap up a six pack, and just put it around two of the four. You know, use two of the six plastic thingies around your, your various cans.
1: (laughs) so they're all, they're all together as a pair. So, uh, the HomePod is obviously, it's great. It's, it's a lot smaller than you think it's going to be. It's got a very small footprint. It's got good sound. Um, and since it's gotten the AirPlay 2 update, that's been nice because you can stream directly from your phone without having this lag and it can play in every room simultaneously. It's still missing a lot of stuff. Um, specifically it's still missing it has a limited ability to interface with apps now that's a short term problem because that's that's going to come with ios 12 and as apps are updated with with ios 12 um and i i think specifically like overcast I, i still notice when i play overcast through airplay i still think it's broken because it takes about a two or three second lag before overcast starts playing and every time I think that it's broken, but it's not, it just takes that minute. And so when Marco adds airplay to support, which he says is coming, um, then, then that will be fine. Um, it, it still is a little buggy and that it still sometimes won't play certain songs. I don't know why. And for whatever reason, I've never been able to get my NPR briefing to work. I don't understand. It will play with the Washington post. It will play Fox news and it will play CNN, but it won't play NPR. So go figure. So there's still a few buggy things. The thing that I probably miss um, a couple of things most about it is, is I miss that the, uh, the HomePod does not have the ability to make a hands-free connection to the phone. So for example, with the Amazon Echo, if I was cooking or whatever, or listening to podcasts, um, I could say, um, you know, hello, Amazon Echo, Um, connect to iPhone. And it would connect to my iPhone by Bluetooth if I want to connect to my iPhone and play, for example, again, overcast is going to be my, my regular example. I I have to open up the app. I have to look at the app and I have to hit the airplay menu to play by airplay. And I know we say, Oh, that's such a hardship. I mean, that used to be how it was before I had the the echo sitting on the kitchen counter, but it's, it's one more, one more point of of friction. And if that was it, it, it would be fine.
0: But you know, just on that point, it's such an obvious solution it's
1: such an easy thing you think to, to do. If I could just say, um, you know, hey, HomePod, connect to the connect, connect to my phone or start playing from my phone. Why not?
0: Yeah. And especially with AirPlay 2, and I am assuming that that conversation can go two directions that the HomePod can initiate AirPlay 2, just like your phone can initiate AirPlay 2. And man, it just seems so simple. That to me is a, is a big miss by Apple, that they don't have that.
1: Well, and it's, it, you know, the HomePod doesn't have any Bluetooth in it. I mean, it has it has Bluetooth in it for the to make the connection, but there's no Bluetooth from a from a playing perspective. Um, and then Siri shortcuts. Um, I, I think, again, that will improve. But, you know, I could I could say to, you know, the HomePod, you know, play my podcast playlist or or play my next episode of whatever podcast if I use the Apple podcast app. But that's not the podcast app that I use right now. So we'll see. Um, so I use the the HomePod for listening to music around the house and for, for air playing from my device. I expect to use them for a whole lot more once iOS 12 is fully baked and, and out and developers have had an opportunity to update their apps. Um, I will tell you that I am still using uh, the Amazon Spot in my bedroom, and I'm still very happy with that purchase. Um, It is it is a combination all in one bedside table device that's gotten rid of a lot of stuff on my bedside table for me. I use it as a clock. It's my alarm clock. It's my Bluetooth speaker. Um, It gives me my it triggers all my automation. It does my flash news briefing. Uh, I, I love that little device and the Bluetooth speaker in it is nothing special. It's it's worse than the regular Echo. It's significantly better than the Echo Dot. But it's good enough for me to connect my phone to. And if I'm in the bedroom, you know, folding laundry or making the bed or cleaning or doing something, um, it's it's more than fine for me to use to listen to podcasts. And so that, that works well enough for me.
0: What about travel?
1: My my travel workflow is is very,
0: very simple.
1: I keep all of my music and all of my podcasts synced to my iPhone. I I buy one of the larger capacity iPhones for that purpose. And so all of my music is synced all the time to my phone. All of my podcasts are synced all the time to my phone. And I just take my phone.
0: So you don't have to deal with like a streaming guy like me. You don't have to deal with downloading it because you've already done that.
1: Right. Um, I usually take my um, my AirPods with me as my only headphones if I'm, if I'm just driving somewhere. If I'm flying, I have a pair of um, noise-canceling earbuds. I actually bought them from not your... Ear- um, uh, from mono price, I you know the the bows quite comfort are really nice, but they're still big and these noise cancelling earbuds are are good enough. so and then when I travel, I just use the built-in iPhone speaker because it's not great, but it's good enough.
0: I use the uh, Bose when I travel, especially if it's a long flight because they're so great. But they are big, and like a, like a, if I take a flight to San Francisco from Southern California, I, I won't bother with them because it's you go up and you go down and you're there. It's not a big deal. But but longer flights, I definitely like these Bose headphones.
1: So this episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you in part by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace is the tool that lets you easily create a website for your next idea. You can create a unique domain. You can use their award-winning templates and a whole lot more. They have got everything you need all in one stop to create your online destination. Maybe it's an online store. Maybe it's a portfolio. Maybe you want to start blogging. It is the one place that lets you do just that. You have nothing to install. No Patches to worry about no upgrades to worry about don't worry about all of that stuff squarespace just has you covered and they have award-winning 24 7 customer support so if you find yourself in a jam you need a little extra help they're there to help you out squarespace lets you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name and they have those award-winning templates to create custom but yet beautifully designed sites to show off your great idea You pick a template and they are almost infinitely customizable so you don't have to worry, is my Squarespace site going to look just like somebody else's Squarespace site? That happens with a lot of other blogging platforms and with Squarespace it's not a concern. I have used Squarespace for years both for my own websites and for websites that I support and perhaps the best thing I can tell you about Squarespace, it is no hassle. You just want to have your site work. You don't want to have to worry about being a website manager. You don't want to have to worry about being a database manager. You don't want to have to worry about upgrades or backends. You don't want to have to worry about is your, your site going to be mobile optimized or any of those things. You don't have to worry about anything with Squarespace. They just take care of everything. And Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month. But you can start right now with a free trial and no credit card required by heading over to squarespace.com MPU. And when you decide to sign up, enter the offer code MPU at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for Mac Power users. So once again, that's squarespace.com MPU to get 10% off your first purchase. So thanks to Squarespace for their support. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website.
0: Okay, let's take a minute to talk about audio management separate from music. You know, how are we dealing with audio in general? Um, how about like on iOS? Do you use voice memo or do any of that stuff?
1: I use uh, voice memos quite a lot on iOS. And I'll tell you, I am really excited about voice memos coming to the Mac. Um It's uh, I I use voice memos a lot for um, I use them a lot when I'm practicing for um, uh, certain monologues or things that I want to say in court or something that I want to make sure that I get just right. I will, you know, prepare something and and read it out over to myself and and play it back. Um, I will use it when I'm I'm with with people's permission, um, when I'm having interviews with them or when I'm preparing for something. Um, so that I can play it back and, and re-listen to it. Uh, I, I've used, I've probably got about a, um, a half dozen to a dozen voice memos at any given time in my, my voice memo app. And, um, and I'll, I'll use that. And I, I would like to be able to use it on my Mac because a lot of times I will transcribe those myself for, for something that I, I want to use a, a snippet of be a lot easier when it syncs to the Mac.
0: Yeah. So I use voice memos all the time as well. I think it's a great app. I I've been looking at alternative apps lately because I'm, you know, I'm starting to, as the studio starts to get built out, I'm working on some video stuff and I want to have good audio. And one of the ideas was to plug a road microphone into just the iPhone and capture audio that way. And something I'm discovering is most of the third party uh, voice capture apps are not very good on the iPhone. And it just makes me appreciate the Apple one more. I think maybe that's why Apple's they're so bad because Apple's does such a good job. Uh, there's a couple I would recommend though. Just give me a second here. I've got a list of them here. Uh, Ferrite, which is a podcast platform really more than anything else is pretty good. And then sure makes one called motive M O T I V audio recommended by our pal JF Brissett. That's pretty good. And there's also one called apogee meta recorder. So there's a couple that are okay, but um I I really was kind of disappointed with the vast majority of the audio apps I had tried. Um, I do, however, uh, record voice memos. I love the fact that you can save them to the cloud. I I save them to the action folder and uh, have Hazel do a bunch of magic on them once they get there. And if you haven't tried it, you know, a voice memo is a great way to capture an idea as it's uh, occurring to you.
1: So why would you use one of these custom apps as opposed to just the built-in audio recorder?
0: I want more control over the bit rate and the file format. This is stuff that's going to get imported into Final Cut, and I just want to have more control over it. And I I just want the best possible audio. So if buying a $3 app is going to improve that or give me a way to to format it that makes it easier to edit later, then it's worth it. But I, I haven't found one that's that impressive, yet to tell you the truth. Um, on the Macs, uh, we do audio stuff on the max. I, I guess we, we already c- covered our podcast gear in a recent show when we talked about what's on our desk, but I do a lot of, uh, recording stuff. I use logic, you know, it's not probably a surprise. Uh, when I make screencasts, I do a bunch of audio processing that logic can only do, um, expand and noise gate are two of my favorite plugins to kind of clean things up. And, um, it, it also runs profiles to clean up my voice. So uh, video stuff I do and um, some of the screencast I do all runs through Logic. So th- there's that's a whole probably another show. But there's a lot you can do with that stuff.
1: Um, and then I know you do a lot of um, uh, phone calls on your Mac, for lack of a better word. I mean, I do... I do some, but probably not nearly as many as, as you do. Is there anything particular that you use for when you're when you're making calls or having conferences on your Mac?
0: Yeah, there's a Apple support article on it on Wi-Fi calling that you can enable on your Mac. And it's really convenient because I work from home often. Uh, so, the, you know, I'm able to just initiate a call from my Mac. I can even use Siri to get it kicked off. I'm going to put the support article in the show notes so you can go and check it out. But um. I don't think the audio is perfect when you do it through your Mac. And sometimes it's really good, and other times it's not. So, when you're dealing with that, I would, uh, you can always just push a button on your phone and jump the call off of your Mac and onto your phone. Um, and I also use the AirPods quite often and connecting the AirPods to the Mac isn't as easy as it should be. I found a great app about that it the um, Mac stock. Uh, Mike Schmitz pointed me to an app called Tooth Fairy, which makes pairing your Apple um, AirPods to your Mac easier than it is otherwise. So, yeah, you can do that. And, um, and that's, I guess, another big audio thing I do with my Mac.
1: Yeah, I think... Um i think our pal tim stringer actually wrote us about this before so i'm sorry i've been using tooth fairy a while
0: So have you i somehow i missed out i don't know how i missed that one but i did
1: and then the last thing i wanted to talk about and and we can cover it briefly because i know we've covered it on other shows but um audio in our cars i know we are both now carplay devotees devotees yeah um and we both don't have cars that come with carplay audio So, um, I, I had a car that, that fortunately, when I went to a a custom car shop, um, they were able to replace my in-head unit with a, with a CarPlay audio unit. It basically, I didn't realize this, but my car basically, basically had a double decker behind it. Uh, I don't know if that's the right word, but so it would fit a standard. And then I just had to get a, a piece for the dash that, that fit the dash, um, And so it was basically just a a plastic piece that matched the rest of my dash, but I didn't realize that otherwise it was just a double deck audio unit in my car. And then once I got the patch piece, um, everything fine. And it it looks like it was built in originally to my car. Uh, you did. So I would say if you're interested in something like that, there may be stuff behind the scenes in your car that you're not aware of. Um, take it to a good custom audio shop and they may be able to help you. And you also found the same thing. Um, you were able to turn um, your Microsoft car into a into a Siri car, right?
0: Yeah, wasn't that great? <laughs> I actually got the blue screen of death with my car <laughs> once, but that that's another story. Uh, so an aftermarket device, somebody made. I've got a Ford that uh, it's not the newer Ford, so the newer Fords you get with uh, CarPlay when you buy it. But somebody had made an aftermarket device that I could put in, and I, I had someone help me with that, and I got it installed and. It was more money than I wanted to spend. But at the end of the day, I spend a lot of time in the car and having CarPlay is, is totally worth it. In fact, that's one of the questions on the forum is, is CarPlay really that great? Now, what are your thoughts on CarPlay now that you've had it a while?
1: So yes, I think it is that great. I'm, I'm very happy with CarPlay. I, I will tell you, I too spent more money on CarPlay than I was, I was hoping that I would. Um, I, I spent uh, less than a thousand, but several hundred, Dollars on getting my car, CarPlay, enabled. And I do not regret that. I, I tend to keep my cars very long time. Uh, I will usually keep a car for 10 years or more. And if you amortize out that purchase over the life of your car uh, and, and for the amount of time that you spend in the car, to me, it was absolutely worth it. I would factor CarPlay in to a new car buying decision. I would not, if I loved a car, and it was my favorite car, I would not not buy that car because it didn't have CarPlay probably. But if there were two cars that I liked for the most part equally or mostly equally, I, I would probably choose a car that had CarPlay in it over one that did not. Because I, I think you'll find that you probably can add CarPlay easier to cars in the future than, than you know you may think about now.
0: Oh, I don't know about that. The 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 systems are so proprietary anymore. I don't think it's that easy to change an aftermarket one. I'll tell you from personal experience. You added
1: it to yours. I mean, you did it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't encourage it. The um, So a couple of things. First of all, you know how there's those people that own Macs that they just keep forever? Like, you know, they've still got the um, Bondi Blue and they're still running it in 2018 because it just works. You're speaking enough.
1: of Stephen Hackett?
0: Well, whatever. I, I'm like that with cars, you know, where I'm always eager to get the latest and greatest on Apple hardware. My cars, I just like to run them until the wheels fall off and then stick the wheels back on. So, like Katie, I didn't mind spending a little money to improve the, that system. Now, is Apple CarPlay worth it? Uh, I will say that I think the system has many flaws. It's like it could be done so much better. I. Um, it's a simplistic user interface to your iOS information, which is what you need when you're driving down the road. I mean, it's not going to play videos or, you know, run OmniFocus or things like that. It's, you know, it does like, um, it does overcast. It does audible. It does gives you map directions, but I feel like there's every time I use it, I can find things that I'd like them to change about it. That being said, it is totally worth it because it is so much easier to use it when it's tied into your phone. I mean, the map directions are better. In fact, one of the things coming with iOS 12 is we're gonna get uh, the ability to have third-party map services like Google Maps.
1: Waze. I'm so excited.
0: Yeah. Waze is going to work on it. And like uh, the the system that they have for managing text messages is great. You'll be driving down the road. It'll say, you just got a text message from Katie Floyd. Would you like me to play it? And you say, yes. And it reads it out loud to you. Would you like to reply? Yes. And you just dictate it, a response and it goes out the, the whole time. Your eyes are on the road. You never take your eyes off the road. It's just great. And um. I also think that having Siri in my car, I know a lot of people don't like Siri. Siri is way smarter than the dumb Microsoft thing I had before. And it gets me directions home, or I was just going somewhere the other day I'd never been before, and I just pushed the button and said, get me directions to this place. And Siri found it was the first guess. And so I was able to have it feed me directions without me ever taking my eyes off the road. And Um, so while I think it could be a lot better and I wish Apple would put more time and attention into it, it is so much better than those terrible in-car systems. I I feel like the car companies just don't even have the ability to make a good system. So when Apple and Google make a decent system, we all just go crazy for it.
1: Well, David, I think we've about covered, um, audio and music management again. Uh, we can revisit this in a couple of episodes or a couple of years and see kind of what the state is then
0: yeah uh on in the uh in the um uh, uh i'm gonna go ahead and list a couple of my favorite apple playlists in there in the thread for the show and uh if any of you have some great ideas for using apple music let us know we'll get into the uh to the feedback show and Plus at the end of the month and uh look forward to hearing your feedback on this one
1: Yeah. And as always, you can find, uh, we have a thread on every episode at talk.macpoweruser.com where you can share your comments, talk about how your your workflows, uh, share your favorite iTunes playlists if you want, um, and anything that we might've missed. We do want to say thanks to our sponsors for this episode, Daylight, Omni, 1Password, and Squarespace. And we will see you all next time.